Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we put in a bid to buy Nintendo. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including, yeah, some more leaked emails from uh, Microsoft. And then on Thursday, in celebration of 700 episodes of this very podcast, we are going to be ranking our hobby horses. But Mark, in the meantime, how's it going? It's going great. 700 episodes. 700 it feels unreal. episodes. We've been doing the show a long time. Uh, and there are things that we talk about over and over again. These are our hobby horses. Um, and while we are coming up on the, 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 the ranking, we still need your help. So if you have identified any hobby horses that you think we may have overlooked, that we don't instinctually know are things that we talk about all the time, uh, email us at NintendoCartridgeSociety at, at gmail.com. Or get in the Discord and uh, let us know what our hobby horses are. And how does somebody get into the Discord? Uh, by emailing us at NintendoCartridgeSociety at, at gmail.com. And then I send them an invitation and then they're in there and the Discord is where people talk about Nintendo stuff all the time. It's like a chat room. It's amazing. Um, all of this business is happening way out of order. <laughs> It's throwing me for a loop. Um, no, but so we we will be recording the Hobby Horse episode on Wednesday evening Pacific time. So get in your suggestions for what our Hobby Horses are before that. That's right. Um, and if you have anything to say about the Hobby Horses, like put it in there. Your thoughts will might end up on the show. Um and it will, it, you will help us create something beautiful. That's right. Your thoughts may determine the fate of one of our favorite hobby horses. Mm -hmm. And our lowest ranked hobby horses, we never get to talk about again. <laughs> Tough but fair. I came up with that rule right now. <laughs> yep. But uh, I think it's the the reason to do this episode I think now? so too yeah, yeah. Uh, that's 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 the we will retire one hobby horse one hobby horse will die live in the <laughs> ring uh and then also if, if you would like to support us in any other way you can go to patreon.com slash nintendo cartridge society where we've got uh a bunch of fun rewards but uh principal among them is our once a month episodes of miniseries that we put out. Um, we are currently making our way through NCS Goes Broadway. Uh, Mark, tell them what we're going to be talking about in October. We're going to be talking about the Music Man. Music Man! Classic slice of Americana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and it's a good episode, so um, check that out if you are interested. Uh, all right. The business is all out of order, but I, I think we hit it all. I think we did it. All right, perfect. Uh, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. Okay, so I've been traveling, uh, and I did go into the Discord to say, hey, I'm traveling this weekend. I'm traveling alone. Mark, traveling alone on a plane by myself. Did you? Did somebody walk you to the gate and like check you in with the Well, of course, my mommy gave me a, <laughs> uh, a little bag with a sandwich in it. Um, no, I did all of that by myself, too. Um, so uh, I, I did go into the Discord and say, hey, what should I play? Um, 
and I regret to inform everyone that I took almost none of their suggestions, <laughs> and I mostly read uh, on, on, on the plane. Um, but once I got to my destination, I was with a dear friend of mine, uh, and we, he was going through the uh, Nintendo Switch eShop, uh, looking, you know, brought up that, like, deals tab, right? To be like, great deals. Let's, let's talk through some, what games are on sale that I uh, don't know that I should own yet? Um, and he scrolled past Vampire Survivors, and we got to talking about Vampire Survivors. He was like, "Yeah, I played it on uh, I played it on Steam when it originally came out." Um, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, I had fun with it, and sort of like ha- had my fun with it, and you know, uh, kind of moved on." Uh, and I was like, "Oh, but there is multiplayer now, so we could we could play some of this." Uh, Mark and I regret to inform you that multiplayer Vampire Survivors is quite fun. Oh, that's awesome! Um, it's a it is as uh, kind of pointless as uh, Vampire Survivors is on its own, but you get to do it with a friend, um, and then you are forced to contend with the fact that you have developed uh, strategies for how to play this like time waster game in a more efficient way, uh, and you have to communicate that to the person you're in a room with. I love it. Which is its own kind of metagame. Um, so I had had a, a real great time uh, doing that. There's no way to like say like what we accomplished or like why it was fun, uh, other than it just meant that we were like yelling at each other about like, no level up the doves, you idiot. <laughs> That's awesome. Is it couch co-op or is yes. it okay? Okay, yeah. you're playing on one system. You are playing on one system on on one screen. Yeah, and you can do up to four players, which uh, we did not do, um, but it was just just the two of us, uh, and like we wanted to. I don't know. I don't know. It was just weird that we were like, okay, let's see how far we can get in this. Um, and like, didn't uh, with the we we cleared a plant level that I had never done before, um, where I don't think the monsters move. I think the plants just like pop up. Um, and it like we played and we played it for fifteen whole minutes until like the level was over. Um, but the whole time I did not understand what we were doing. <laughs> Sounds fun, honestly. Sounds yeah. like a great time. Yeah, was ha- ha- having a great time. Mark, you continue to play Sea of Stars. That's right. Um, I'm you about, said you put a lot of time into it I'm, this I'm about a, I, I think I played maybe like five hours. I didn't have a lot of time to play during the week, mm-hmm. but uh, over the weekend I did, and I think I'm like, I've doubled the amount of time I put into the game, so I, I'm at about 12 hours now, and I feel like I'm in a real sweet spot yeah. where the story is beginning to pick up, and I feel really in a groove, like I'm I'm having a really good time with it. And I feel like I really need to stress that every time I talk about it. Because here comes some negative. Yeah, because I feel like yeah. every time I, I, I'm talking about it, I'm just talking about the things that I don't think entirely work. Yeah. But it's such a interesting game. I don't think I've played a lot of indie RPGs. And so, you know, you, last week you were talking about how kind of the linearity of Sea of Stars would put you off of it. And at the time, I was like, oh, no, I, I love that about it. But the further I get into it, the more I'm kind of, like, rubbing up against, like, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Where on the one hand, it's really, it is nice to just be, like, constantly funneled towards right. the main objective. But on the other hand, it means that it has a lot of the trappings of a, like, classic RPG. But it, a lot of it is, like, emptiness so there's a couple of times where you are uh uh given control of like a means to get around yeah and it seems like oh there's like this world for me to explore but 
there isn't really you're kind of yeah yeah, a lot of it is just like emptiness where you can walk to this corner over here you can go to this corner over here but there's actually nothing there for you to see or even like gather like it's just like an empty space and uh which is just interesting i feel like a lot of classic rpgs or uh you know just playing tears of the kingdom not that long ago that game does such a good job of uh, if you're rewarded for going for exploring something, right? Yeah. Even if it's a tiny, tiny right. reward, there's but at least like, like something there. But Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom are like uh, exemplary games for like exploration, right? Like the, they are like the sort of gold standard for like rewarding you for hundred uh, percent true. Of your way. But, yeah. but I think the, that you're right. That's an exemplary ex- uh, example. I was was stum- I was about to stumble <laughs> into the same sentence, an exemplary example, and I was like, no, uh, you, we need to, we need some other words. And not I, me. I, I forget right, how I got out yeah, of it. Yeah, I, I ran right into that. Uh, I set a trap for you. Yeah, it was like Wiley e. Coyote mm-hmm. um, painting a uh, 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 train ch- tunnel yes. on the wall. But so, but you're right. Like those are. Uh, that's kind of an unfair example, but I. But th- I, I think the the example is uh it, it is real though. But I, I feel like especially in like RPGs of the era that uh, Sea of Stars is emulating, um, you get to that openness after being funneled through the hallway for a long time, right? Like, um, you know, Final Fantasy six, uh, and six and seven, both of them, um, are uh, extremely linear for a time. Um, and like Final Fantasy VI, the halfway point becomes this huge open world. Um, and Final Fantasy VII, like ten hours in, it becomes a huge open world. Um, and like I love the huge open worlds of those, um, but I also don't find myself bothered by the linearity of the beginnings of those games. And I like I, I'm still sort of feeling the crunch of the linearity of Sea of Stars. Um, I'm maybe three and a half or four hours in. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I wonder if I'm just experiencing like the early game hallways um, and there'd be the wide open spaces that will reward me for exploring them later. But maybe not. Maybe, maybe the whole thing is hallways. But, yeah. That's see, that's what I can't tell, because it feels to me that the whole thing is basically hallways. Yeah. But I'm only, you know, I say this, I'm still only 11 hours in. The other thing with Sea of Stars is I, I'm really enjoying the combat, but I wonder, like, if I'm playing wrong or if I'm missing something because... Do you die a fair amount? I I, I do die, but I wouldn't say that often. Mm. It's normally, it's like, I'll hit, like, a um, a boss or something, do completely the wrong strategy, and then the next time, yeah. like, get it. Yeah. But the, um, uh, what I'm running into is, like, I feel like I have the same, basically, like, the same abilities that I've had from the beginning, and, like, Every it doesn't seem like there's very many weapon options. Like everybody has their weapon, yeah. and occasionally you're at like a store and you can upgrade to the next weapon. But it doesn't. But as far as I can tell, it's not like oh, this person could use a pot lid, or they could be carry a hammer, or this person right, could like right. do this. Like this person could use an axe or a staff. It's like no, everybody has their thing. one type. And of, so I yeah. just feel like I'm doing the same combat that I've done from the beginning. Without and you occasionally get additional like skills, but it feels like so occasional, and it doesn't really feel that story based. Like it, it just feels kind of random where you hit a a certain point in the story and or in the mission, and they're just like, oh, this person now has this for no particular reason. Like it's not yeah. because like oh 
there's a story reason that you just earned this new skill or something. It's just like, no, you just kind of like hit this checkpoint. And so now you gain the ability to do this. And so the combat is enjoyable, but I just wish there was more variety in how I could like, yeah, like level up my or like, you know, choose to play my character. Yeah. I mean, in, in my experience, which is obviously, uh, you know, not as, as great as yours at, at this point, um, I find that the combat is so um, like tightly. I'm not. I'm just, I I want to say scripted, but that's not right. But like it's it's prescriptive in some ways that you like you only have a certain number of tools, and uh, the game really only lets you mess up a couple times in a fight, even a regular encounter, um, before it's like, oh yeah, you mismanaged this, and now one of your guys is gonna die. And it's generous with like bringing them back after just a couple turns, um, and like. You know, I find myself using food, like, all the time. Um, but, you know, it can just make more of it the next time you get to a campfire. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree that I just don't feel like I have a ton of options every time, like, the windows pop up. Yeah, and Which I... Which is maybe fine. I think so, too. It's So, that that's where I get down, come back to, like, I feel like I spend all of this segment, like, complaining about the game. Right. But I really am having fun. The music is great. The uh, designs of the enemies and especially the bosses are like really fun, but it just, but I feel like I feel in playing it, it like bumping up against the indie nature of it, where it has the uh, like look and feel of a really like big scope our game yeah but it is not really like you run up against those like indie limitations where you know like uh limited character optimization or like you know like growth customization yeah um you know like limited amount of weapons in the game and so it's just an interesting contrast between Hmm. kind of what the uh the aesthetics of the game are and so my expectations based on those aesthetics versus what the game actually delivers because i agree with you that the um they are very generous with food items and like healing and all that kind of stuff. But to me, that is a band-aid solution to the game not really being very well balanced. Yeah, that's interesting. Like they're just like, well, but, oh, we're just gonna like throw these enemies at yeah. you. And uh it doesn't matter if they're actually if like it's not that well balanced because we'll just let you heal afterwards. You know See, what I mean? No, I I I actually I uh, that's a place where I actually want to push back because I think that um Sea of Stars is balanced in a way that makes you use food and items in a way that I look when I'm playing a Final Fantasy game like it is a cold day in hell that I'm using like an X potion or whatever right like I will hoard those items yeah that's interesting forever that's um, true totally uh, totally and true like I I in in a, in a way that like I you can't do in Sea of Stars you have to actually use you have to actually think of those tools as tools you can use and have yeah, to use no that's a good point um. So I in, in that way I think it's actually uh like maybe overly balanced balanced in a way that makes you use all all the tools. Um, but uh, you saying mentioning that they only have like one type of weapon. Um, my mind immediately went to um Super Mario RPG, which uh, is very similar in that regard. That like the characters don't have a bunch of different kinds of weapons, and they don't have kinds of weapons that they can like trade between each other. But even within that, like. Bowser has two different types of weapons that are like claws or he spins like a chain chomp. And those are just like basic weapons. And you just like go back and forth trading like 
you know, uh, he gets a better chain chomp. He gets a better uh, set of claws. Mario has like a hammer or he's got fists. Uh, Peach has um, usually, I, maybe Peach only has the one type of weapon, just like a thing that she swings. But like Mallow has like a stick or he can have uh, symbols that he like smashes, you know, someone with. Um, so like uh, maybe Mario RPG characters have two different types of weapons versus the Sea of Stars characters, which seem to just have one each. And maybe I'm just not far enough. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how long this... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or maybe I, it is totally possible that I am missing things. It's po You know what I mean? Like, it's possible... I think your experience is comprehensive. <laughs> but... You, but then, you know, you also go back to... Well, it's like a, it's like a $35 game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not... So, uh, so do I feel like... Am I enjoying myself? Yeah, absolutely. I have... Um, I think... In the, I am joined. It's like any RPG I've ever played ever, where you get like ten hours in, eleven hours in, whatever, and it begins to click, and yeah. you're having a lot of fun. But you have to get through those first few hours, and I so I really do enjoy Sea of Stars, but it's just been I don't know. I've been think it's a game that I've been thinking a lot about about like what I like about it, what I don't like about it. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's. That's very interesting. And it, you, you had mentioned before we started recording that, like, uh, when we play games over, like, a long period of time, it becomes, like, kind of tough to know what to say about them as we keep going. You obviously have more things to say, and you are, like, thinking more. Um, but I will be fascinated to see how this conversation develops as we both get deeper into it. Yeah. At some point, I, I should look up how long it's supposed to last. Because at some point, I might need to do a Tetris 99 tickets moratorium. Where it's just like, I'm oh, not yeah. going to talk about this for a while. Right, I'm still right. working on it. We'll loop back and around then, to it. Yeah. yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I guess on that topic, I'll just mention uh, The Legend of Zelda, The Minish Cap, um, which uh, the last time we spoke, I had just finished the uh, second dungeon. Um, uh, and I went back into the game to, uh, you know, like kind of get the stuff that like right after the second dungeon um, and like go kind of uh, like move on to the next story beat. Um, and then uh, as happens frequently uh, for me in this game, I just like hit this wall where I'm like, I don't know what to do next. Um, and I talked to Vati. No, is Vati the bad guy or is the Vati my hat? I talked to my hat um, and the hat's like, uh, oh, yeah, there's this thing on the western edge of... Uh, whatever um and i pull up the map and I, like none of the places that i have exposed are labeled as whatever and both of the icons are on the far west side of uh those regions uh, and it doesn't matter because i can't get to either of them um so i'm like what do i do now oh, I so hate that feeling. i'm in that mode where i'm just like walking around talking to everybody <laughs> and just like trying to use my most recent items on like everything i i ad i admire your stick to on like not using a guide because i should just I, it, use would, a guide, it would it yeah. would drive me crazy i i hate that feeling yeah. i absolutely hate that feeling yep yep so that's that's where i am uh with that the last thing i wanted to talk about is last week i got an email like a marketing email from nintendo uh saying like hey do you want to take this survey and it was all about princess peach showtime mm. and princess peach showtime's like marketing and so they're asking the usual, like, demographic. I just thought it was interesting because the last time I had received one of these was for Fire Emblem Engage, which was a game that I did not feel like the marketing was very effective for me for. Like, you know, I didn't really, like, right. understand the appeal as somebody who doesn't have a great familiarity with the, uh, a lot of Fire Emblem characters. And so this one was a marketing survey, again, kind of being, like, it was really focused on, one, like, how interested are you in playing 
is Princess Peach Showtime. And then what do you think Princess Peach Showtime is? A great question. And that was basically my feedback was like, because, you know, they were asking about specific costumes that Uh Peach has. Like, which one was your favorite? Like, rank these in order. Um, And like... When? Let's let's do it right now. Let's 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 rank them in okay, order right okay. now. Uh, let's uh, uh uh should we come up with separate lists or, or a, t- a together? I think list? our uh, well, let's do a together list for time. But I think I think uh uh. So for me, kung fu outfit is number one. If kung fu outfit is great, I think I put that as two. I think I put patissier peach as number one. That's for me. two for me. Oh, okay, so yeah, so we're okay, we're so right we're, there. Okay. Um, and then I think I have. But then I go sword fighter and then detective. sword fighter. Yeah, detective. I like. In theory, I mean, it's right up my alley, female detective, but... But, uh, but why is she then dressed like Sherlock Holmes, right? Yeah, it's so boring. Although, I guess, like, that's the thing that screams detective for yes, most people. Yeah, I mean, if... But, but, if she were wearing Columbo's trench coat, <laughs> I mean, that, buttoned that would way be too so low good. and... <laughs> and you're like, is that Columbo or Inspector Gadget? But either way... Either way, it's that perfect. That would be so good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was asking about that, but then it was also... Document points for not being Columbo. <laughs> hey... <laughs> you know, um, yep. it's hard to measure up. I, th- so yeah, so they were asking about that, and then they were asking, but then it was like, what, uh, what did you like about it? And it was kind of freeform text, and mm-hmm. I said like, I liked that, uh, you know, Princess Peach is in her own game. I liked the costumes. I liked the idea of having different gameplay styles. And then another question was more on like, what, uh, would you like to understand more about the game, or what do you not understand about? princess peach showtime and i said i don't understand what the game is like yes. the the video says that there's going to be different play styles for each costume but what does that mean like are they mini games like what right you, like it, it just it's still right. and obviously there's many months ahead before the game comes out so i'm sure we're going to get more trailers and all that kind of stuff but at this point i'm like i'm interested but i don't really understand what this game is. Well, because we find ourselves in a situation where there is a uh, first-party Nintendo game where we fundamentally don't understand the style of gameplay, right? Like, um, there's a new Zelda game coming out. We kind of know what the broad strokes of it are going to be. There's a new Mario game coming out. We kind of know the broad strokes. Pikmin. Like, all, all of these franchises, we have such a solid understanding of. But, like, Princess Peach? Like, we don't have that. Yeah, it's a new, like, IP for... It's a new franchise for yeah. Nintendo for all intents and purposes. Right, because uh, Super Princess Peach is, uh, like, a Mario game starring Peach. This is a different kind of game. Um, and, like, from the trailer, it's, like... It made me ask, like, is this a Kirby game, basically? Um, and, like, seems like maybe, but with one that's, like, focused so much on, like, designing the whole level around specific transformations... Um, that like, yeah, it's just kind of tough to tough tough to wrap your mind around. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it's not like the the survey I sent in for Fire Emblem Engage seemed to have any sw- sway at all on the marketing well, but, for that. But game, when but did you be... send that? When did you send that in? I mean, it was around the same. It was probably around the same time, like t- same time frame. Okay. As um, like October, the uh, the the year before I, came. I September. honestly can't remember, but it was yeah. yeah it was ahead of uh, it was ahead of the release for sure. But anyways, it'll just be interesting to see how they you know we know that we got that gameplay explainer for Tears of the Kingdom. 
because right. they realized that people didn't really understand what made the game fundamentally different from Breath of the Wild. Right. And I wonder if if other people are feeling the same way I do about Princess Peach Showtime, where it's like, I'm super interested, but I don't really understand what this is. If they get enough yeah. of that feedback, that will get a more clear like explainer of, hey, this is what this game is. Is this something that, if not unique to Nintendo, is maybe just like a specifically Nintendo problem? Because like, you know, you you look at like other uh, big games that have come out recently, and like, um, you know, like Baldur's Gate or Starfield or like the new Spider-Man game coming out. Um, uh, or even like you know, kind of lower uh, profile things like Lies of P and like all I, I, I feel like even Armored Core um, Six uh, that like all these games have like the basic premise of these games are like straightforward right like we know what to expect of like a third person action game with like a Souls esque kind of bent to it or that is you know more superheroy um, like there's just all of these very useful, very descriptive genre signifiers that we just don't have sometimes uh, or that like the specific appeal of a Nintendo game goes beyond that like genre thing because they always end up breaking it within the genre anyway. It's not a racing game. It's a Mario Kart game. It's not a fighting game. It's a Smash Brothers game. Um, Do you know what I do? Like, yeah. So am, am I making sense? Kind of like, you know, like, three Princess Peach games down the line, theoretically, this wouldn't be a problem. Right. So you're like, oh, it's a Princess Peach game. But because it's the first right. of its kind. But it's also like, it was a problem with Tears of the Kingdom, which was right. like an iteration on Breath of the Wild. And we still needed to have like, no, here's why it's different. Do you know what I wonder is if Nintendo, compared to other video game companies, does not like focus group? Yeah, because um, like because they're just so secretive, right? And so I don't know if they, you know, because like Sonic Frontiers leaked, yeah, you know, like months in advance, right? Like what it was before it was even announced, because they right. like so, so, uh, Sega was doing focus groups to gauge people's interest in it. And I, I really don't know the answer to this. It's possible that Nintendo does focus grouping all the time, and they're bringing in uh, outside people to test. That could be true, but it feels very unlikely to me. And so I, so I wonder if, you know, they don't get a lot of opinions from outside. And so internally, they're like, yeah, I know what this game is. This makes sense. Like, right. does this trailer make sense to you? It makes sense to me. And everyone's like, yes. And then they release it to the world. And the world's like, wait, what? Yeah. And so then they have to recalibrate. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that could very well be it. That um, they're just... And what's, what's wild is that they've been so good at, like pinpointing what's fun in the last couple of years um and then just like not great about communicating to us um and so like every game has to become like a word of mouth thing where like uh the people on the internet are like no wait animal crossing is the best thing ever right, right? yeah but you're right that some of it is self-evident like yeah it's interesting with zelda that they weren't able to effectively communicate the differences until they literally put out a video that was basically like, Here's here, the deal here with this are game. the abilities. Watch me use the abilities. And, but I remember like when ARMS was announced, it's like, oh, okay, I get this. Like, this is yeah, pretty, you know, true. like clear. Like they did a good job of explaining ARMS. But ARMS was also just visually self-evident. Right, what right, ARMS, right. What that game was. Which I feel like Splatoon also like kind of falls in that same category of like visually self-evident. Um, 
Yeah, uh, it's a it's it's an interesting question of like how they deal with that and uh, what that all comes from. But again, we still have what like six months until we got a this long game time, is yeah. released, so I'm sure we will see much more of it in the future as we get closer to it. Um, all right. Well, speaking of things in the future, let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Thursday, September 28th, Infinity Strash Dragon Quest The Adventures of Die, or Adventure, singular, of Die. Just one adventure of Die. Is uh, is released on Switch. What is this? So this is a action RPG that is based on one of the best-selling mangas in Japanese history, which is uh, this Dragon Quest The Adventure of Die. <laughs> and uh, it has, I believe, had two anime adaptations one more recently, I believe it ended last year, and possibly aired or was available in the United States as well. Okay. So, anyways, it's a it's a much beloved Dragon Quest story that is now that has been like uh, an anime, a manga, and is now being turned into an action RPG. I mean, just the other week, I was asking for more Dragon Quest games and being like, "Why don't we have more Dragon Quest games uh, on on Switch?" And I guess here is one. <laughs> yeah, here you go. Uh, also on Thursday, Disney Speedstorm is like officially released. So mm -hmm. it's been in uh, early access for a few months now. But Which was something you had to pay for. That's right. But right. this is the like official launch of the game. So it will now be free to play. Right. And so in its free to play mode, it obviously has to monetize somehow. Right. And do we think that's just like new characters and like upgrades and stuff? Or that would be my guess. I've never played a free to play kart racer before i guess other than like a little bit of mario kart tour right um so i don't know exactly how how it'll work um what do we think are we getting into this are we getting into disney speed Storm? i mean if it's free i might check it out i don't think we can get figment anymore right figment the dragon from the imagination pavilion at mm -hmm. epcot journey into imagination uh -huh. Uh -huh. um i don't <laughs> i don't think figment's available anymore but you're telling me I show up and I say, here's five dollars. Give me figment. They're going to tell me to get I lost. Don't know. Maybe the figment season is over. The season of figment could no longer five be American action. dollars. I don't know. But I've, I've got to tell you legal tender for all debts, public and private. Before I was going to say, uh, <laughs> like, Disney, like between Disney Speedstorm and Disney Dreamlight Valley. It felt more likely for a time that Dreamlight Valley would be the one that we dabble with. But that's not free to play at all. And this one is. Right. So might as well download it. Oh, I would de I'm definitely going to download it. I'm definitely going to uh, race a little bit. Look, uh, you can race as the, the monsters, right? Like Sully. Like, I'm going to get I in there. I think so, yeah. I'm going to do that. Can I get in there as Mickey? Is Mickey a playable character? He's got to be. Oh, yeah. In fact, we know that, because we talked about it on the show, that like Steamboat Mickey. Oh, Steamboat Willie. No, it's Steamboat Mickey, and we are trying to just figure out what the distinction between the two. That's right. And I'm sure it's all just trademark. Right. But um, well, that Steamboat Willie is the name of the cartoon based on Steamboat Bill, which was a like uh, river folk song or something. I, I think that's right. Where, I think that's where it shook out. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right, right. Uh, so we're getting way into it, is what you're saying. I, I think it's possible. And hey, maybe you will be able to give them five bucks for Figment. <laughs> <laughs> I love Figment. I yeah. would want to play as Figment. And then on Friday, September 29th, EA Sports FC 24 is released on Switch. This is the first version of EA's soccer franchise that doesn't have the FIFA license. Uh -huh. And it's the first one on Switch that is running the Frostbite engine and is supposed to be feature complete with the other versions, not the 
FIFA legacy versions that we've been getting on Nintendo Switch since this system launched. Right. And what are the expectations for performance here? Oh, man. I don't know what to expect. Mortal Kombat 1? Which we'll get to in a little bit uh, la- yeah. later, later on in the news. Um, but yeah, it does, it does seem like... Uh, it's possible it could be a, a train wreck. It's possible. It could also be uh, nice. Fine. So we'll, it could yeah, be totally fine. We'll find out. And then also on Friday, we're getting Kirby and the Amazing Mirror for Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack subscribers. It's the G. It's a GBA Kirby game that I've never played before. Um. So I did. Uh, this is a game that I bought on the Wii U when we were in Kirby Month uh, last year. Um. And it is a a strange game. Um, that doesn't totally work, but is interest is so interesting that it definitely warrants um, a, a little bit of experimentation with. Um, it is a Kirby. You can play four player simultaneous, um, and it is a Kirby Metroidvania where these different worlds and like areas are connected via these mirrors. Um, so like you explore them and like trigger things, and then like uh, go back and you've opened new areas, or you can collect the transformation so you can unlock. You know, like you get a a fire power up so you can burn your way through stuff uh, in other parts of the map. Um, uh, not not the best Kirby game by any stretch of the imagination, but an interesting entry for sure. Yeah, fun that Kirby is like Mario in that a Kirby can anchor any sort of game. E- yes. I mean, uh, this, this was my uh, hypothesis during Kirby month, is that Kirby fulfills the promise of Mr. Video, like the idea that Mario was originally going to be like in everything and like could be the the cornerstone of any kind of video game that Kirby fulfills that better. Um, Cause look, can Mario look he has been, but can Mario be the ball in a pinball game? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yes, yes, he can. And he has been, but has he been the ball in a um, like Arkanoid like game? No, just Kirby. Yeah. It's helpful that Kirby, uh, is just Kirby. And it, you know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like, what is Kirby? How does Kirby work? All of these things are unknowable. Right. And so it just, like, the brain doesn't have to reckon with Kirby doing strange things. This is because... a great point. Yes, because Mario's a human man. Right. In some capacity. <laughs> that you got to be like, how does he do? What's his job? No one ever asked what Kirby's job <laughs> no. is. As far as we can tell, it's just sleeping. Yeah. Um, except when Planet Pop Star's under attack. Oh, I love Kirby. Um, so will you be uh, checking out Kirby and the Amazing Mirror? Um, I... That's a no. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I really feel like a game like Sea of Stars for me is all about momentum. Yes, yes. And it's like, I have to be single-minded. And yeah. if I get distracted, I'll, I will easily fall off of it. And I am enjoying it. So, uh, I, you know, I'm sure someday there will be Kirby Month Part 2. And I'll check out Kirby and the Amazing Mirror as part of that. Speaking of Kirby Month for a second, um, when we did Kirby Month, we had an episode that was all about our favorite sub-games, um, and one of my favorite sub-games comes from Kirby and the Amazing Mirror. It's called, I forget the name of it now, but it's like a, it's a, it's like a surfing minigame where um, you are, it's like a side-scrolling, you, you and three other Kirbys are uh, racing by on surfboards, and there are waves, and you can like jump onto the waves, and then if you jump at like the crest of the wave, you get a little speed boost. Um, and it has a really cool like momentum system where if you are pulling off a bunch of these tricks and jumps at just the right time, one after another, um, that it's very satisfying and fun. Yes, I remember watching you play this, uh, and it's called Kirby Wave Ride. There we go. And the art for this mini, this sub game is so, it's just an aesthetic I want to live in because 
you know, you're riding this wave, but then it's like during like sunset or sunrise. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. Blue and pink. It's just really gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, if, if nothing else, if Kirby and the Amazing Mirror does nothing for you, at least check out Kirby Wave Ride, Wave Ride um, as, uh, as, as part of it. Um, all right, Mark, let's close out the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, fourth iteration of one performance of 433, Mark and I'll talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, the Huss fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, ooh, there's a little bit of music at the beginning of this uh, performance of 433. Um, skip ahead a little bit so that we... Sounds like there's still music happening. Hmm. I'm just gonna set a timer. <laughs> I, I, I didn't bet. I didn't bet this performance of 433 well enough. Mark, uh, please introduce the topic. Yeah. So we are going to be randomly selecting years from 1980 to the present day and determining if we would be able to beat the Acad- Academy Award winners for Best Actor and Best Actress from those years in a arm wrestling competition. Uh, very good. So I have set a, a timer now for four minutes and 33 seconds. Uh, Mark, are you ready for me to generate the first year? Yes, let's do it. Okay. So, okay, we're good. We're, we're 1981. Okay. So almost as far back as we could go in this. All right. So 1981, best actor was Henry Fonda for On Golden Pond. Okay. So he was old. Just keep that in mind. Right. But he's Henry Fonda. He is Henry Fonda. Okay. Is Henry Fonda known for being tough? And then Catherine Hepburn. For On Golden Pond. Okay, So all right. it's a uh, a real battle of On Golden Pond here. Uh, right. Um, and I think we each get a shot at both of them. So it's yes, not like, right. okay, yeah. That's right. So we'll um, both take on Henry Fonda, and then we would both take on Catherine Hepburn. I don't think I could arm wrestle against Catherine Hepburn. I think, I, I think she may beat me, and I think I let her win. I think both <laughs> things are true. <laughs> I, she would say something so, like, cutting. withering. and Yeah, yeah it's yeah, true. You'd be done. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I... I'm just going to be honest. I think me today could beat 1981 Catherine Hepburn and Henry Fonda in an arm wrestling competition. Uh, I mean, I would want to look tough in front of Henry Fonda, so I would actually try my hardest. I, I think I think I let Hepburn win. Okay. Um, uh, not let, let, like it happens. It's, she wages psychological warfare on me, and I can't uh, do uh-huh, anything about it. Uh-huh. Um, so that's how that would go. Uh, are we ready to roll another year? Yep. All right. Uh, next year is 2019. Okay, 2019. Best actor was uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Okay, for, for Joker. Joker. Uh huh. And I would definitely lose that. I think he has that like crazy person strength. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then Renee Zellweger for Judy in Judy Garland. Ooh. Okay. This feels like a similar dynamic to the last one, doesn't it? <laughs> Except not old. Yeah, you can't be blinded by uh, our love of Chicago, right? With, like I'm so I, I, for me, I'm pretty sure Joaquin Phoenix would uh, destroy me, no problem. Um, that is a scary man. And then, but I think <laughs> you think, think you could I take Zellweger. I, I think I could take I, Zellweger. I mean, I don't know. She's got like a personal trainer. I almost feel like I. Uh, this one's tough. I don't know. I can't. I can't make this call. Okay, so for both, you don't think I don't think 
I I sort of feel like I could take Joaquin Phoenix. Cause oh, I, okay. Because you never know what kind of like artsy nonsense he's doing at no, the, at the moment. That's like true. he could be starving himself for a role or like just in his head and like you start the competition and he gets stressed out by the idea of competition <laughs> and then you just wallop him. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. Uh, Zellweger is definitely focused. Zellweger is definitely focused. Yeah. But maybe she's too Judy Garland in her head. Maybe. That's true. I beat them both. I yeah. say I beat okay. them both. All right. All right. Uh, all right. The, the, the next year is 1989. Okay. 1989. Best actress in 1989 was Jessica Tandy for Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> Somehow I think. I think we're going to beat Jessica Tandy. Jessica Tandy. But the other one is Daniel Day-Lewis for My Left Foot. And this is another one mm. where my first thought is, no way, Daniel Day-Lewis would definitely beat me. But then I'm like, well, yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis said there will there, Right. There will be blood. There will be blood would right. beat me. But Daniel Day-Lewis of my left foot? I'm I mean, sure. he's such a method guy, and he's play, playing a mostly paralyzed person. I think, <laughs> I think we end up beating both of them pretty <laughs> easily. Let's do one more. Okay. We're running out of time. All right. Uh, nine. Uh, no, uh, was doing the same one. 2015. 2015. Okay. Actor Leonardo DiCaprio for The Revenant. Okay. Um, and 2015. I mean, what do you think you are? The bear? <laughs> <laughs> Brie Larson for Room. Ooh. Ooh. I th- genuinely think Brie Larson would beat me. Yeah, she would destroy I th- both of us. I think, I think Leonardo DiCaprio would probably beat me right um he survived that bear attack he survived that bear attack and tom hardy he might the one thing for uh yes leonardo dicaprio is that was like he might have been so high he might be so hyper focused on winning an oscar that year yeah that he may not be like really into it you know what i mean he's just like fine i'll arm wrestle you because you asked me but not because i like really want to i don't have anything to prove no but he does have something to prove because you are arm wrestling oscar winners right so that's like a title he has to defend as an oscar oh yeah no that's a good point we should have if you beat them you get their oscar (laughs) yeah yeah All right, we would have been accompanied today uh, by Sana Cola mezzo- mezzo-soprano and Tuomas uh, Corello on the Therabo, Um but there was a bunch of extra noise there. We couldn't, uh, couldn't deal with it. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. No, that's just me cueing that again. Let's get into the news. Can you believe that it's only been a week? Since that big Microsoft email leak, no, it's it's hard it's hard to even it's it, it's yeah no I don't believe it yeah the thing is it's not even so much a leak as just like an accidental publishing <laughs> yeah that's true that's true so uh, Microsoft is you know uh, I I I guess like the actual Microsoft versus FTC trial is happening right now because a few months back right. they were. Uh, arguing, the FTC was arguing for a preliminary injunction, right. which they lost. And so now this is the actual Microsoft versus FTC trial. Right. And as part of that, the uh, both the FTC and Microsoft upload court documents that uh, are heavily redacted. But Microsoft accidentally uploaded last week um, a file that had like hidden pages of in a PDF, but they were still accessible. They were just like hidden. And it, it leaked or it included a lot of unredacted emails and presentations and internal Microsoft stuff 
So from 2020. Right. And seemingly stuff that like wasn't relevant to conversations about um, Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard. But it must have all been part of like the discovery process. Right. And so, but yeah, so all of the, and um, at it, the leak, I keep saying leak, but you're right. It wasn't the accidental upload, like the files included their product roadmap in, including like revisions of the xbox series s and the yep. xbox series x including game release calendars as of 2020 and including a, freakouts about game release <laughs> calendars yes, and yeah. like a boatload of emails between microsoft executives talking about their reactions to the playstation 5 reveal and it was really interesting to see obviously this generation is not gone for microsoft the way that they thought it was going to because in the emails they are very confident about the xbox series consoles and about their uh, release schedule and this was a lot of these emails were like post covid shutdown so you know it right so they, pre-release of the new yes xbox yeah we're talking yeah. like august i yeah. think this email specifically that is talking about nintendo was from august 2020 so just a few months before the Xbox series consoles and the PlayStation five went on sale and Microsoft is feeling incredibly confident. Right. Right. Um, uh, and, and also just before we move off, like how uh, these documents like would get uploaded uh, a- accidentally. Um, I worked in a law firm for a while um, and uploading uh, documents to the court docket um, is uh, often something that is not handled by attorneys themselves um, because a lot of attorneys with like the most uh, you know expertise uh, in like their legal field uh, tend to be older and aren't always the most tech savvy so there are often uh, file clerks or secretaries who are younger and better um, able to use the equipment uh, that do the uploading and also these uh, court docket websites are, the wor- any think of any time you've used like a government portal for anything uh it's like that times a million because only people who are like specially like trained to use it have to use it um so it is <laughs> it is <laughs> sorry uh i still don't know how to use the timer on my phone um so it is uh like bad and confusing and um uh easy to mess up um and i've seen it messed up in person uh, multiple times um so it's uh it's not surprising that something like this would happen but it sure is funny so the email we're specifically going to talk about is microsoft's phil spencer discussing the possibility of acquiring nintendo right so uh in an email titled random thought all lowercase. All lowercase. Random thought. <laughs> Microsoft executive Takeshi Numoto asked Spencer why they are not finding acquisition targets, quote, like Nintendo, as a way to, quote, increase their consumer exposure and relevance. And Spencer responds, quote, I totally agree that Nintendo is the prime asset for us in gaming, and today gaming is our most likely path to consumer relevance. I've had numerous conversations with the LT of Nintendo which I don't know what that means. Leadership team. Oh, leadership team Mm -hmm. about tighter collaboration and feel like if any U.S. company would have a chance with Nintendo, we are probably in the best position. But Spencer also goes on to note that Nintendo is, quote, sitting on a big pile of cash, (laughs) end quote, and that a hostile takeover would never fly. It would be like people would be so upset by it. Instead that they are, quote, playing the long game. Yeah, so they are buying shares of Nintendo where it, 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 where they are able to do so but like they 
there are so few, if any, examples of uh, an American company uh, acquiring a Japanese company. It's just like not, it is culturally some, not something that happens. Um, and so like, I, I wonder how much of uh, Phil Spencer's uh, response here is just him being like, yeah, I don't know. That'd be super cool. It would be really cool if we could buy Nintendo. Well, he also, you know, in these emails talks about it being like, a legacy maker for him. Like totally. it would be, you know, like a crowning achievement of and just kind of like be, reign right? of, of Microsoft gaming. And then he also talks about how, um, like how Microsoft would be the best stewards of Nintendo. Like Nintendo isn't really taking advantage of exploiting their intellectual property and all that kind of stuff. Right. Like right. basically like let Microsoft do the hardware and Nintendo be a third-party developer, essentially, a first-party developer for Microsoft, which I feel like, uh, from a businessman's perspective, is, like, I, I understand that way of looking at it, but to me, it's such a fundamental misreading of what makes Nintendo successful. Yes. What, what is fascinating, though, and we talked about this a little bit last week, is, like, here are the things that, I guess we did it during the topic episode, right? Uh, that we're like, here are the things that Microsoft actually genuinely does do better than Nintendo. One is preservation, um, and another is um, accessibility, um, and also then just online infrastructure. All three of these things are like, this, this is what Microsoft is really good at, Nintendo is uh, frequently quite bad at. Um, if you want to play any Xbox game, on your current Xbox, you can basically do it. Even if you have, like, the disc, they, like, find a way to... Anyway. Um, so, like, yeah, there certainly are things that Microsoft could offer to Nintendo, uh, but I don't think make your gaming console is one of them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, complete, I completely agree. And uh, I definitely think that the way... The thing that Microsoft has... Yeah is an insane amount of money yes. that they are willing to spend. But like uh, Phil Spencer was saying, like Nintendo has a lot of money, and I don't think they have any desire to be... Um, to be acquired. To, to be acquired. And Did you see that Capcom also recently put out a statement being like that they're not interested in being acquired? Oh, no, I didn't see that. Um, That's interesting. Uh, 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 maybe it wasn't a statement. It was in an um, uh, interview or something. But I, I saw it recently um, and was like, oh, that's uh, uh, an interview. Why? <laughs> I can't believe your timer went off again. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, <laughs> put, we're just doing this show in four minutes and 33 <laughs> second increments. Yeah, we're like Vin Diesel uh, doing this show four minutes and 33 <laughs> seconds at a time. Um, I, I just wanted to, uh, one thing that you said earlier is that, you know, when Microsoft talked about playing the long game, you had meant you had said that Microsoft was like, like slowly acquiring shares in Nintendo, and I don't believe that that's true. I don't. I don't think that. Oh, you don't I, think? Okay. I don't think that they own any shares in Nintendo. Mm. I think that would be much bigger news if Microsoft was actively buying shares. Uh, my understanding of what he was referring to is, you know, like, uh, as the CEO of Microsoft Gaming, he talks to a lot of large investors, yeah. and there was an investor that, and I can't remember the investment group, but like. An investment group that had acquired shares in Nintendo and has a seat on the Nintendo board, I believe, that it is friendly with, like, Phil Spencer knows well. Got it. And that's what they're, like, referring to in the emails is, like, 
oh, there's this person from, I'm sorry, I keep blanking on, I don't know the name of the investment group. Yeah. But, like, this person from this investment group who has a board on Nintendo and, like, that, you know, like, as that as kind of, like, playing the long game. Sure, Not sure. that Microsoft is purchasing shares of Nintendo. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, well, and, uh, like, regardless, it's it, none of it is, like, even if they are playing a long game, it's not like a, uh, a Tyrion Lannister-style long game. It, he's kind of just being, like, where if an opportunity arises where we could buy it, we will, but like that opportunity may not exist. Right. And you know, we know back in what, like 1999 before the launch of the original Xbox, Microsoft had approached Nintendo at that point about acquiring them. So it's obviously we're reportedly laughed out of the room. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. But I mean, it totally makes sense from Phil Spencer's point of view that yeah, Nintendo would be a really good get. Yeah. Yeah. Get them. No kidding. Um, Famed video game producer and social media grump, it's true, famous for the blocks, uh, Hideki (laughs) Kamiya, uh, will be leaving Platinum Games, a company he helped found on October 12th, 2023. Yeah, wild. Yeah, seemingly out of the blue. So Kamiya co-founded the studio in 2007 with the current CEO of Platinum Games, uh, Tsushi Inabata and Shinji Mikami, who is most known for the Resident Evil franchise at Capcom. And Tetsuya uh, Minami, who is also a former Capcom producer. Uh, Mikami and Minami are no longer at right. uh, Platinum Games. They had previously left. Right. So this leaves Inabata as the only uh, like founding member who's uh, st- still with the company. So at Platinum, I would say Kamiya is best known as the creator of the Bayonetta series and director of the first game. And he was also the director of The Wonderful 101. Mm-hmm. At Capcom, he worked on Resident Evil, directed the first Devil May Cry game, was responsible for the Beautiful Joe series, and Okami, which was kind of like, uh, only had one game in on the PlayStation 2, but it was ported to Wii. There was actually a DS game, I think, as well. It's kind of like a Zelda-like. Yeah, I mean, he... Where you play as a wolf. Yeah, I mean, Kamiya kind of, like, uh, spearheaded the, like, modern... Uh, third person like action game right like with 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 all of the i mean starting with um uh devil may cry and then like obviously uh bayonetta being the sort of like inheritor of that um so like he leaves a, a uh, like a hole that is like specifically platinum shaped um a, as he leaves here so publicly this is, seems cordial mm-hmm. if not necessarily amicable like um Platinum Games released a statement in in which I believe they thanked, you know, Kamiya for his contributions. Right, but they don't name him Bayonetta Ambassador. Right. For example. That's right. That's right. That's right. And then Kamiya posted on Twitter, you know, saying, quote, this came after a lot of consideration based on my own beliefs and was by no means an easy decision to make. However, I feel this outcome is for the best. I will continue to create in my Hideki Kamiya way. So it's like... It seems cordial, but you do wonder what was happening. Platinum, you know, uh, on the Nintendo side has released, was uh, their partner for Astral Chain, mm-hmm. obviously the Bayonetta series, and uh, which had two games in the last year, including like the yep. spinoff. And they, but in 2022, they had, what, what was it called? Like Babylon Falls, I think, which was a game that they did with Square Enix that was a pretty enormous bomb i don't know the you know the wonderful 101 when they did that kickstarter like that oh all yeah was kind of a disaster all... so yeah. um about a year ago i think it was last july there was the um 
person from Nintendo who joined Platinum Games as a vice president. And Nintendo, he was responsible for like uh, working with outside developers. And it seems like he was taking on more of an operational role as Platinum Games tries to become like a publisher of their own video games. Right. But I, I don't know. Platinum Games just seems like it's in a really weird spot. It it does. I mean, it it does have you know, uh, like what Bayonetta gets to like keep coming back. It seems, although I I wonder if they'll be able to continue making them. It without seems up Kamiya. to Nintendo, right? Um, yeah, it's a good point. Um, and then uh, they've got the the near uh, Automata uh, game, um, which is like another one that like keeps being re released and that people seem to have a, a a real affinity for. So like they're and as long as they have the like partnership with Nintendo, I mean they they made the last two. Star Fox games, um, which were also bombs, uh, but you know, um, yeah, it just uh, it it makes me wonder like what is um the state of like those partnerships and like what is the health of ba- uh, of uh, platinum um without Kamiya? Yeah, and Kami and Kamiya, like I wonder what what is he actually been able to do? Because he do you remember when he was working on Scalebound for a really long time? Yeah, I mean that was like six years ago five years ago that right. that was announced i think and then it got canceled yeah and that and i think he was pretty public about that being pretty gut-wrenching for that game right one well, and that was another like microsoft exclusive. that was microsoft yeah. yeah and then i think he had a smaller game come out last year but there you know the wonderful 101 when they released that on switch doesn't seem like that was particularly successful right um so maybe he just hasn't... He was working on another project for Platinum, but we haven't heard anything about it for a long time, so I wonder if it got canceled and this was kind yeah. of... You know, like, who knows? But uh, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up and what he does next. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I like that he's always been a, like, fiercely independent kind of guy. Like, it's just so funny to think of, like, if you were a uh, video game publisher and developer that, like, if you had one of your like leadership team just like blocking people indiscriminately and not indiscriminately, it's always with a reason, but like being a like notorious cum- curmudgeon on Twitter, I think you would try to control that a little <laughs> bit. Um, but no, he's just like he's always been his his uh, his own man and just like uh, does whatever he wants to uh, in his like front facing role. Um, I'm sure wherever he winds up, uh, he'll 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 be fine and he'll make cool stuff going forward. We talked about the poor technical performance of Mortal Kombat 1 on Switch last week. And earlier in this episode. And it sounds like series producer Ed Boon wants to fix those issues at some point. Saying, quote, a number of the concerns of the issues that had come up will absolutely be addressed. It would have been ideal for us to have released the version that we absolutely wanted. But anything that we're finding a problem with is on our list and is going to be fixed. Uh, he went on to say that Mortal Kombat 1 on Switch, quote, will be supported like we did with Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, and, you know, a lot of the development of Mortal Kombat 1 on Switch was not actually handled in-house by NetherRealm, but by another studio called Shiver. Um, and a, maybe Saber Interactive, right? Maybe those two uh, in conjunction. That I right. think that's right. Um, didn't write it down for the, for the notes here. Um, but uh, it's... There are a couple of weird things happening here, right? Uh, one is like it almost seems like Ed Boon was caught off guard and was like, "Oh, that's the state that thing was in." <laughs> like, Ed, come on, man, uh, that game's got your name on it. Um, but like, th- so that's one thing. And then another is like, 
Mortal Kombat games have always come out on systems that uh, couldn't deal with them, right? There's a more there's Mortal Kombat two on Game Boy, right? <laughs> like and like, oh, it's not as good as the one in arcades yet. Yeah, no joke. Um, and I feel like this is just always part of the Mortal Kombat math that they're going to put it on as many platforms as possible. What's weird about this example is like Mortal Kombat one isn't on Xbox One and PlayStation Four. They don't have that. That version doesn't exist. But they made this like sanded down Switch version, which is no good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mortal Kombat Eleven sold sold decently on yeah. Switch, like, uh, and so it makes sense that they would want Mortal Kombat One on there. And I I love that they are supporting it and are doing it day and date. But uh, yeah, this one just seems like it got away from them. Yeah, didn't didn't seem ready. Uh, last what do you think is the likelihood that they're actually going to be able to like fix these things? Though? I I think that they will. I I mean I, I believe in that they will do what they can and yeah. that they will because like because Mortal Kombat 11 sold so well and I think the expectation is that Mortal Kombat one will sell well. Yeah. Two, but I think the only way it'll do that is if they do fix these issues. Yeah. Or at least try to you know like try to fix the issue, the issues. Because it's good business for them to have it do well on Switch, especially with a new Switch, you know, like the next system yeah, coming true. out soon. True. It just makes sense for them to try to cultivate that audience. Still makes me wonder why they wouldn't put that version on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Yeah, I don't know. Weird stuff happening at NetherRealm. The last week, the physical release of Pikmin 1 Plus 2 was, came out. And because they're physical versions, they added language support for Dutch, Korean, simplified Chinese, and traditional Chinese. Right. Well, whether it's because or it's just like happening at the same time, this the the release of uh the so it's a uh, version one point one which has the support for these additional languages. It fixes a, a, a like game breaking bug in the challenge mode of Pikmin two and like other fixes. Um, that all of that stuff which gets applied to the digital releases that were dropped day and date or not day and date, but were dropped um, like shadow dropped as part of the uh, direct in June um, that they're getting updated at the same time that these physical games. Oh, I came see. Out. It's almost yeah. like they were holding this update for the physical versions. Right. Yeah. I mean, and kind of like the like implied narrative behind it being that like they knew they needed more features in them, but we're like, forget it. We can do a shadow drop right now. And, uh, put those additional features in later when we launch the physical version. Interesting. Which Interesting. is like, I mean, it's it, it's such a, a weird new world uh, for Nintendo of uh, releasing digital games and then uh, releasing the physical version of them later so they can like maintain that element of surprise or like ride that kind of hype of like it's announced now and you get it now, but still serve the like collector uh, part of their um, audience. Um, and then, like, also have the benefit of uh, adding more features later. Yeah, that is interesting. Red Dead Redemption just released on Switch a few weeks ago, but there's speculation the Red Dead Redemption 2 could be on the way as well. This is that seems oh. uh, that seems wild. So this is all based uh -huh. on the classification for the game in Brazil was updated sure. at some point. To include the Nintendo Switch in the list of platforms. So PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC, and now 
Nintendo Switches on that listing. Okay, so is this just a matter of... Because I think it was a Brazilian publication that had the uh, Nintendo Switch online logo on the early uh, advertisement for Tears of the Kingdom, right? Um, so is this just a matter of like some website dude or some ad guy just like got carried away? Gets it wrong. Or is some... Yes, yeah, just gets it wrong. Yeah. Or, I, or is this really happening? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Maybe they were, like, updating a database and Nintendo Switch got added to the wrong... Like, accidentally got added, added to right. the wrong table, and so then now it's showing up on this listing. Yeah, who knows? The fact that... I, f- I feel like we've had errant listings before. Like, totally. it happens, yes, right? Yeah. Or, like, listings for things that end up don't releasing or... But also actually included when the game is announced. People like putting games on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Um, feels like a really big game to go on the Nintendo Switch. Absolutely. It's too big. So, but so, I don't know. The, the Witcher 3 was on Switch. Sure. So. This is a newer and bigger game. I mean, it's just, it's, it's such a, like, graphically intense game that, like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is a cloud version. Right? We haven't seen one of those in a while. So the reason why people don't think it's a cloud version Wait on me. is because cloud versions don't exist in South America on the Nintendo Switch. Oh. Ale- uh, supposedly. Oh, I don't okay. I haven't verified this myself, but that's okay. what but that's what I was reading online. So if is I that were to, like cloud if, like cloud yeah. versions of, you know, like the Resident Evil games right. are not released in Brazil. So you're telling me I have a Nintendo Switch, I live in Chile, uh-huh. I can't play the Kingdom Hearts games on my Switch? That's what I'm telling you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That is what I'm telling you. Um, I was just, I'm sorry. I was just looking up to see <laughs> when Witcher 3 came out. Because is it true that Witcher 3 was released before? So Witcher 3 was released in 2015. Was Red Dead Redemption after that? The initial Red Dead Redemption? Two. Sorry. You're right. 2018. Oh, my gosh. Witcher 3 is old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, No, Red Dead Redemption 2 is, like, kind of recent. It's more, it's the most... Is this true? Is it the most recent Rockstar game? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Wow. They got to make another Grand Theft Auto or something. <laughs> they are, right? Don't we know they're making a Grand I think Theft Auto? We, I think we know. But they need to make Bully 2. That's what they <laughs> I need. Guess, I guess it's like uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto is just like Zelda. It's like they're always working right, on the next right, one. Right, right. It's just who knows how long it's going to be yes. until it comes out. Tetris 99 is running its 35th Maximus Cup. Uh, it's Xenoblade Chronicles themed and runs midnight Pacific time on September 29th through 11.59 p.m. Pacific time on October 2nd. And specifically, it is Xenoblade Chronicles 3 themed. That's right. And so I thought that maybe this was time to the release of the Noah and Mio amiibo figures. Nah. Like in the key art for this Maximus Cup, those characters are featured prominently in the promo art. But no, those don't release until January. So the mysterious ways of Maximus Cup timings continue unabated. Yeah. So, Mark, does this, what does this do? Bring you back to Tetris 99 for, uh, you know, 100 points? It brings me back for sure. I'm wondering, what does it do for you? Are you ready to return to Tetris 99? I mean, I have to. I can't not get one of the themes. I have literally all the themes in Ah, it right now. You have a problem. Uh, (laughs) I have a problem, but I've also basically stopped playing it every day. Yeah, that's uh, true. That's true. Has has, has been nice. I get a little time back that way. but yeah, it is. It's it's so funny to like. Though here here we go. We're we're tying this to Xenoblade Chronicles Three, a game that came out months ago. It, it may, so I have two maybes. 
one is that originally the amiibo were supposed to release mm, like in October okay. or something. Possible. And th- this was time to that. But then historically, the Tetris 99 Maximus Cups don't make any sense. Like we had one instance yeah. with Pikmin 4 where it was appropriately timed. Right. Otherwise, it's like months all over the place. Like, Wasn't it also even like the weekend before Pikmin 4? Yeah, it was out? like, I, again, I think it was the Miyamoto like, yes. we are pushing Pikmin 4. Yeah, that's right. That's so right. everybody do like... Everyone do, do the pick before exactly. Yes. Uh, so yeah, so that's one. The other one is like maybe it's just to keep those characters relevant, relevant to, so that way they sell more amiibo. I don't know. So anyway, we're going back and playing uh, <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles three. We'll talk about it in October. <laughs> uh, and finally, Hallmark Keepsakes has revealed new video game themed ornaments for the 2023 holiday season. Uh, they include an NES, mm-hmm. a Sega Genesis, a Sega Dreamcast. Which I have a problem with. I have a problem with the Sega Dreamcast. Lay it one. on me. So uh, the Sega Dreamcast ornament has a, a Dreamcast and it has a controller. The controller has the VMU, which is, of course, the visual memory unit. Um, so there was like a little screen on the memory cards uh, in these controllers. And you could play like little supplemental games within them. And there's a pixelated Sonic the Hedgehog in on that VMU. However... It is far too easy to make out that it is Sonic the Hedgehog. It should be so faded and so dull and the pixels so big and so bad that you should not be able to tell what's happening on that screen. That's my objection. Noted. Uh, Link, Samus, King Mickey, Mini Eevee, KK Slider, Cat Mario, Mini Toad, Donkey Kong, Mario Kart, from Mario Kart, Bowser from Mario Kart, a Super Mario item six-pack. Which, boo on that one. <laughs> uh, and then two Minecraft characters. I, I, I got the Super Nintendo one yeah. last year. And you got one for me as well. That, that's right. And they are, they're pretty fun. Yeah. Um, so I, I wonder they if... They are like, loud, the, though. They are really loud. They're so loud. I wonder if, like, the, the, uh, what jingle the Genesis one will play or, like, the Dreamcast one. I mean, it's probably all just uh, Sonic the Hedgehog music. Yeah, probably. Um, so you you uh, you bucked a little bit at King Mickey. It's like um, it's like Mickey in the Kingdom Hearts. Oh, so he's he's, he's got okay. like a keyblade and he's wearing like a black hood. So like it looks crazy. Gotcha. Okay. Um, which of these do you like? I uh, I like. We were looking at these earlier, and I like Toad because it's just it's a just joyful Toad. toad. Yeah. Um, always up for KK Slider. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked the Bowser Mario Kart one. Um, I think the Cat Mario one is pretty solid. The Cat Mario one's pretty it's good. It's just a cute looking Cat Mario. Yeah. Kind of nailed it in one. Mm-hmm. Kind of nailed it in one. Uh, the, the Link one and the Samus one, though, I think we both agree are, like, just those characters. Like, yeah, they're fine. It's a weird criticism, but, like, that's just Samus. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Yep. It's not, like, Dread Samus or, like... You know? Not even in, like, a particularly, like, dynamic or interesting pose. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, like, what's happening here? Uh, so, anyway, we're going to pre-order all of those, and we're going to have a great holiday season. Mark, let's close this out. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Don't forget, you can join our Discord by emailing us at NintendoCartridgeSociety at gmail.com. Get in there. Tell us what our hobby horses are. We're getting so close to the actual ranking episode. Anthony DeLuca made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apipetti. You can get more of his music by going to apipetti.com or by listening right now. 
For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. Thank <laughs> you.